Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Today, I want to preach about one of the most ravishing experiences of the new birth. Uh, One of the most beautiful experiences of the new birth. For we know in Corinthians, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, any man, no matter who they are, where they come from, how they were born, what surrounds their story of birth, which church they got born again, and which way they did, if they have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the heart has believed and confessed with the mouth unto salvation. He says, if that man be in Christ, any man be in Christ, the Bible says he is a new creature. He's a new creature. Tonight, I'm going to share one of those new creation realities, one of the most astounding revelations of the new creation, right? So he says that man is a new creation, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. Old things, anything from the old story and version and narrative of that person is past, and now The Bible says that all things are become new. All, every aspect is new concerning that man. So, I don't think that the church has really come to the full understanding of what it means to walk and function in the newness of the spirit, in the newness of life, in what it means to be a new creation. When you say that man is a new creation, what is new about this man? All things are new. All things are new. You see? But there are aspects, there are realities in this newness that I believe every believer should connect to if you should live a glorious life in Christ Jesus. Because not all who profess the Lord Jesus are walking in the benefits of the new creation. Not everybody who says, oh, I'm born again, I'm born again, I'm born again, has really lived the realities of this life, the experiences of this story. And so many believers are really short-circuited. Many believers are really living a lower life. They are living a very disadvantaged life. They are living a very frustrated life. They are living a very regrettable life. Recently, they brought me a young girl who is born again and several times she has tried to commit suicide. I could not understand (laughs) how somebody who has been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, who has been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly blessing of Christ Jesus, would want to take their life. But I could understand from where she sees life. And so I had to take time to help her understand what it means to be born again and born of God, born of the Spirit. And you're going to be blessed as I share. In Colossians, 
the third chapter from the 10th verse, Paul emphasizes how that we have put on the new man. The newness of life has given us a new man to put on. And in that emphasis of the newness of that man, this is the beauty, one of the beauties of that man. The Bible says that that man has been renewed in knowledge. He has been renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Wow, what a truth. What a reality. What a thought. What a greatness. What an experience it is. Wow, think about it. He says, that new man has been renewed in knowledge. He has been renewed in knowledge after the image, after the picture, after the form of him that created him. Of him that created him. Not after the image in which he was created. Uh-uh. Read that word again. That the new man has not been renewed in knowledge after the image in which he was created. No, he is renewed after the image of him that created him. You see that? So, one of those beauties, one of those astounding things, one of those ravishing experiences is the renewal of knowledge. What does it mean for the new creation to be renewed in knowledge? What does it mean to live a life of a renewed knowledge? Remember the word used there is epignosis. Epignosis. The correct, precise, and accurate knowledge of God, of things ethical and divine. Something has entered the new man. There would not have been a need of renewal in knowledge if God did not find a problem with how the old man thought, with the thinking pattern, the understanding of the old man, with the knowledge in which the old man functioned, even in the greatest revelations and glories that we've seen touching men of old, none of the old prophets or judges or kings or whoever they are in the Old Testament dispensation match up to the renewal in knowledge of the new birth. None of them match. They were only at their best in their lower nature. Solomon in his own wisdom can never be wiser than the new creation. Hello? Why? Because this new creation is a new man, a new person. So when you say, oh, none was wiser, none shall be wiser, they're talking about the fallen man in the realm of those which are fallen. None shall be wiser than Solomon. They're not talking about the realm of the new birth. They're not talking about the new birth experience. And so much as we give reference to the wisdom of Solomon, the New Testament church is in messianic wisdom. Christ Jesus. The Bible says he has been made unto us wisdom. And the Bible says, and the one with greater wisdom than Solomon is come. One with greater wisdom is come, which is Jesus Christ, Luke 11 tells us. And so because we have received one with greater wisdom, you are wiser than Solomon. 
if you have not seen it, it is because you have not connected to this reality. Wisdom is everything. Wisdom is life. Wisdom is power. Wisdom is wealth. Wisdom is glory. Wisdom is greatness. Wisdom is peace. Wisdom is joy. Wisdom is everything. It's everything. And so to invest your time even to tune in and just learn and connect to something bigger than what we know in the world already shows that you are extraordinary. You're not a usual kind. There's something that invited you to this set and that thing seeks to establish you somewhere in God. So when we talk about the new creation, he says, in what we call all things are become new. One of the most fundamentals in this sphere of newness is knowledge. The new man has been renewed in epignosis. The advanced, the complete, the precise knowledge of God of things ethical and divine. It's in there. He has obtained a certain knowledge in him. For example, I have once given an example of animals. All right? Nobody teaches a mother hen to sit on her eggs. A mother hen does not sit on her eggs because she saw another hen do it. It's in the inherent knowledge of a mother hen to hatch her eggs. That is not something that is instructed. It's something that is imbued as a place of knowledge. That's an example. Nobody tells a newborn babe how to suckle a breast. When they sense it, they know that this is to be suckled because it's in the knowledge, inherent knowledge of a babe, of a child. You see? Birds, when they just spread their wings, something in them tells them this is how you flap them. This is how you glide. This is how you land. This is how you hunt. This is how you pick. There's no school for building nests in the bird world. No. But when a bird grows up in a nest, something in its sense forms up. And one day when that bird is mature, it will build its own nest without a manual. And it will knit it and, you know, clip it to a tree. And the sun will shine and the rain will fall. And that nest will be strong enough as its own house. Nobody teaches it how. Because it has some inherent knowledge. And so, even in the old nature, the fallen nature, before the new birth, there are things that man has as knowledge. And they exist in that man to do many things. Humanity has abilities. The human mind has abilities. And the Lord has been showing me something recently of meditation and it just blew me. I went through and started to examine the things human minds have done. Out of that small little sized thing, a man thought to make an atomic bomb. Look at the power of the human mind. They've built buildings to the sky. They've gone to the moon. They, they have, you know, transversed places that are unknown. They've studied the stars. Look at the ability of the human mind. It's amazing. 
the science that has been innovated and invented in the world, the things that are amazing, artificial intelligence, robotics, you know, the internet of things, it's amazing. Men are creating things that are amazing. How do I have a gadget that I can talk with somebody thousands and thousands of kilometers away and there's nothing connected to it and the waves that are moving I cannot see with my very eyes but I'm hearing a voice to the other side. The human mind is amazing. But only time has let them evolve and grow and connect to build these things. But from the creation of the world, it was in man. And so the things that are to come, the technologies that are to come, the wisdoms that are going to be formed in the world are all showing you the power of possibility in the human nature. Great, great things they will do. And now God tells you that when you become born again, <laughs> there is a renewal of knowledge. He cannot tell you that I have renewed, or he cannot intend to renew your realm of knowledge if there was nothing greater than what the fallen man had. But he examines what the fallen man could ever do in any realm of knowledge. And he gets the new creation and says, look, when you become born again, all things are past and now the new, and all things are of God, they're of me. And after my own image, after my own way, after the picture that I depict to the world by the Spirit, I am choosing to give you a certain level of knowledge. Wow. And so when you read the Bible, the Bible says you shall be the heads and not the tail, above and not beneath. What does that mean? Because you see, you cannot have this knowledge that is above what humanity has created and you're not the head. Just don't work that way. If a born-again engineer understood this, if a born-again businessman understood this, if a born-again doctor understood this, if a born-again social scientist understood this, if a born-again psychologist understood this, This world would be different. It would be so different. The church would lead in every sphere of influence on the face of the earth. We would not fight for spaces and survival in the world of men. It would be easy to preach the gospel because they would see everything they've built and invented inferior and nothingness, a vanity and vexation of spirit. But with the wisdom of the fallen nature, men are astounded. They are astounded to hope. Yet that hope to God is still dead. It's only the new creation in Christ that has been born unto a lively hope in Christ. <laughs> oh, how I wish we knew this. When I discovered this many years ago, I knew that I was going to be a different minister. I knew it. I just knew it. I just knew it. I just knew it in my spirit, in my inner being, that I was going to be a different minister. Why? Because not many ministers understand this renewal. 
Not many ministers understand this exchange. Not many ministers can connect to this transaction. Not many ministers understand this. We are givers of life. We pour out every Sunday. We pour out every weekday. We pour out every morning to the lives of people. We are giving and giving our lives every day for the rest of our lives. And this calling is not something we denounce tomorrow. It is something that sticks for the rest of your life. You see? So if humanity in the fallen nature is still inventing, how can a man of God run out of summons? How can a minister get short of revelation? How? But you see, even the quality of teaching in the church of Jesus Christ must change to give the image of the God who created us to the world. We must be able to express in word and language, demonstration, whichever way it is, God to men. Because they don't see him. But we see him. There are many, many believers across the world. The biggest percentage of believers across the world have not been awakened to this knowledge, to this glory, to this epignosis experience. Many have not been awakened. Many are still in prognosis and diagnosis. They're still in the testing of elements and theories, you know, alluding to hypotheses and trying to prove by the wisdoms of men the things of this world and then theories are bathed. But even though that suffices for the human existence, it's still not enough. There's something higher. And that thing can only be found in a new creation. So how can a new creation with that kind of knowledge lack anything? How can you lack anything when you know that? How can you believe like the world? How can you plan like the world? How can you budget like the world? How can you dream like the world? Well, that's how human beings survive. It's not how the new creation survives. It's not how the new creation survives. When this wisdom, when this knowledge finally settles in your spirit and you go beyond the assumption of things, the hypothesis of things, and it clenches the reality of your experiences, you will start to see the world around you bend and bow to the vision of God on your life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, let me also emphasize this as I go deeper. When we receive the word of God through the books that were canonized, you know, the books that were studied by our forefathers and put together in what they believe was the most accurate account and consistent concerning the faith and the person of God that we freely express and teach to men, this Bible. When they put it together for you to read, what's the difference between you, which is a new creation, reading the word of God, and a man who is not born again reading the word of God? What's the difference? There should be a difference. You remember the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch? 
The Bible tells you he was reading the word, but he was not understanding what he was reading. And the man of the new birth comes to explain to him what he was reading. He comes and tells him, look, this is what you are exactly reading. This is the meaning. And it's how then this man is translated to salvation and baptized. But the oracles were moving. Already what the account that some of the works of the prophets before, you know, later we devote this whole book. There were certain accounts and stories of prophets and, you know, the patriarchs and judges. And these books were scattered across the world. Ethiopians had access to them because they were connecting to the God of the Jew. But they did not understand how the God of the Jew was working. And a man, Philip, appears to this fellow and explains to him. God leads Philip to go to this man and explain to him what this man should understand about this. And that's when the conversion of that life took place. And in this I discovered that the Bible for the fallen man, if given, is for interpretation. When a man who is just fallen is given the Bible, the first thing he will do is to try to interpret what it really means. The new birth that has been renewed, it has been given the perfect, precise, concise, complete knowledge of God, of things ethical and divine, should not be in the realm of trying to interpret the Bible. <laughs> and that is why we have a lot of we have many denominations, splits of faith, different schools of thoughts, and now we regard some cults and then wrong teachers, false teachers, because new creation people are trying to interpret the word, the Bible. Interpretation is not for the new birth, because the new birth has been begotten with a complete knowledge with a precise knowledge, with a perfect knowledge. And so when it comes in contact with the word, when it comes in connection with the word, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. In part of that new birth, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So, the new creation is simply supposed to read the word, to study the word, not for interpretation, no, but for application. Because it must believe that it carries the concise interpretation by reason of who they are in God. By reason of who they are in God. Gnosis, the progressive knowledge when we talk about gnosis, because remember I talked about epignosis, but in your English word it's called knowledge. Then there's another Greek word there called gnosis. All right? It's also in your Bible, in your English Bible, it's also called knowledge. Then there's another Greek word called gnosko, but also in your English word it's also called knowledge. So when you read your English version, or some of the versions that are not from the original translations, you will see knowledge. Knowledge, to know, you know. But what does it mean to know? In fact, there's also a fourth word called Edo, but also it uses the word to know. But Edo usually is also mostly translated as to see. 
So I'll come to that later. But majorly the three, gnosko, gnosis, epignosis, those are all three words. And in your English Bible, they say knowledge. But in the original translation, they do not mean the same. Okay? Because you need to break them down a bit further to understand what these words really mean. Now let me explain something. Like I said, what is epignosis? Epignosis, like I said, is the perfect, complete, and precise knowledge of God, and especially in the New Testament, the knowledge of things ethical and divine concerning God. It's the full discernment, the full acknowledgement of the person of God, and that is given to the new creation. All right? Then, the new creation is also given something called gnosis. And what is the realm of gnosis? The realm of gnosis is the general intelligence that helps you reconcile with the given knowledge, epignosis in God. Gnosis is the reconciliation of your intellect to the knowledge which is complete, epignosis, precise and perfect in God. So you're given a perfect knowledge, a complete knowledge of things ethical and divine with epignosis. And that is not something, you don't learn epignosis, you are given epignosis by reason of the new birth. So epignosis is not something they teach in school. It is something that you receive. In fact, I have a someone there called epignosis, our true inheritance. Look for it. You'll love it. Because when you define inheritance, some people define land, some people define cars, some people define, you know, properties. But that is not our true inheritance. Our true inheritance is epignosis. That complete, perfect, precise knowledge of God of things ethical and divine. But it's in your spirit. But because it's in your spirit, your mind cannot connect to it easily because it's in form of the spirit. So what does God do? God gives you gnosis, progressive knowledge. But the generic knowledge, this gnosis, is there only to confirm the affirmed experience of epignosis. It's there to help reconcile your intellect, your human understanding to your spiritual inheritance of knowledge. You see that? So when the Bible says gnosis, gnosis in 2 Peter 3.8, he says, but grow ye in grace, grow ye in grace, and in the knowledge, in the gnosis of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now, forever, amen. So when he says, grow ye in grace. And in the knowledge, the word they use for knowledge is gnosis. In the progressive, generic form that helps reconcile your human intellect with your spiritual experience. So, gnosis is a pattern of growth. We grow. Every day, our intellect, our intellectual realm is getting reconciled to our spiritual inheritance with which we know God. You see? So that is why we read the word of God every day. That's why we study scriptures every day. To reconcile with our minds what is committed to our spirit already. So gnosis is a confirm of epignosis. Epignosis is the original affirmation of God's planting for you to know God. And then we get to the spaces of gnosko. Gnosko, the space of knowledge, 
if I can really translate it for you to help you understand what it really means, it's the realm in which you learn to know. Because to know is one thing, but to learn to know is another. You understand what I'm saying? To know something is one thing. To learn how to know something is another thing. There's some people who know how to do, they know certain things, but they cannot explain how these things are known. You see that? And without that, you cannot lead. Without that, you cannot instruct. It is the qualification of the believer to instruct or teach because you know how to receive. You know how to take knowledge. You know how to connect to knowledge. You know how to study the word. Some people read the word, yes. Gnosis, progressive knowledge. They read the word, gnosis, progressive knowledge. They are trying to reconcile their intellect to connect to what they already have in God. But if they do not know how to read the word, they could get lost in interpretation of what they would call gnosis and consequently frustrate the ministry of epignosis in their lives. That's why the Bible says, take heed how you hear. How you hear. Luke 8, 18. Take heed how you hear. All right? That's the realm of gnosko. The realm of gnosis is take heed what you hear. That's Mark 4, 24. Take heed what you hear. It's the realm of gnosis. The realm of gnosko. Take heed how you hear. Because what you hear and how you hear has a lot to do with what you have as knowledge in God to connect with what is already formed in you. If there's conflict in what you hear and how you hear, especially conflict in what we hear because we don't know how to hear, then eventually there's already a discrepancy. There's already a conflict. There's already bad acoustics in what we have in the inside. And how does then that translate? It translates to an experience where many believers are aware what they feel is not what they are taught. Or what they read in the word does not connect with what they are taught. Or what they feel in the inside does not connect to what they see outside. There is a conflict there. You're not reconciled within you. And when that war is in there, everything around you will be war. Because to reconcile yourself within in the order that is arrayed by God, in the knowledge of God, is the peace, the victory, the triumph, the results that you will see later in the life outside you. And further to this injury, because many believers or men of God actually do not know what to do, what do they do? They position believers into a more panic led anxious life of seeking prayer and deliverance. They go church to church, pray for me prophet, pray for me apostle, pray for me evangelist, cast it out, it's here. Then they pray and they pray. You know, some of them are simply things some men of God learn from to cast devils. And then you'll examine their lives 10, 20 years and nothing has changed because they have forgotten 
that they have to reconcile with him first. There is no man who is fully reconciled to epignosis in understanding, knows how to learn or hear God, and what to learn and to hear in God, is seeking prayers from another man. No. Actually, when the man gets into that realm, he's the one they come to. He's the one they consult. He's the one they need. So when we're talking about gnosko, right? In Matthew chapter 13, verses 11, he answered and said unto them, when we go to the Old Testament, he said, it is given to you to know the mysteries of a kingdom. It could not be epignosis there because they were not of the new birth. You see? They were not born again. So when he tells them it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, the word there is gnosko. In other words, it is given to you to know how to learn, how to know the things of the kingdom. Why? They had Jesus who would teach them that knowledge. So he says, I'm here. And because I'm here, it is given to you to know because I'm present in the flesh for you. I expound these mysteries with you when I'm with you alone. Yes, in the public, I speak in parables and, you know, and hidden sayings. But when I'm with you, I expound and I break these things down for you. And so it is given to you to know. Why? Because the giver of that knowledge is available with them for you to know how to know. And the evidence of that is the miracles, the teachings that I'm giving you. If you have a problem, you just consult me. Now, when we read Matthew 13 in the new birth, we don't just mean gnosko only. Even if we put epignosis in there, we are right. Why? Because we have inherited a realm of knowledge that the fallen man had not yet inherited. Remember, the disciples of Jesus Christ were not born again. He had not yet uh, died and raised to glory. So, when we say it is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom, we don't claim a gnosco realm of the mysterious. We claim an epignosis realm of the mysterious. And so, when we get to the Bible, we're simply connecting our intellect to what is already available for us so that we will demystify to the world what is already demystified to us through faith by reason of our nature in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So in here I'm teaching you what to read or what to know, how to know and what knowledge is in you. Epignosis. So you're a student of the word. I know that you're connecting well. So what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, for who has known the mind of Christ? The second chapter, the 16th verse. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who has known, who has known the mind of God? The word there again is gnosko. Who has learned to know? So when we go into the realm of learning to know, to come to know, the journey that leads us to knowledge, he's speaking of Pattern set in us. And he's saying, but we have the mind, epignosis of the Messiah. And he says, and we hold the thoughts, the feelings, the purposes of his heart. So he says, already the mind which is in Jesus is in you because of epignosis. Who in the world can connect to this? None. But we can connect to it because we have the mind of Christ. We have the very thoughts and feelings of Christ. 
It's part of your new birth. But not every believer is connected in that realm. Not every believer has activated that realm. Not every believer actually understands that that realm exists. You see that? So when he comes in John later and he speaks of you have an action from on high, you know all things, the word there actually is the Edo. You perceive all things. You understand all things. You know all things. You perceive all things. In other words, because of this new birth, epignosis, it is given for you to have the right sight. False teaching can only convert and divert and digress what is already accurate in the new creation. A new creation, a person who has just become born again, is not birthed into confusion and oblivion. No, they are birthed in a perfectness of epignosis, albeit they need the process of gnosis and gnosko to connect to what they have in God. But when now they connect in our churches and they are given the false gnosis, the false gnosko, and then they are later polluted by the world, and then what was supposed to be easy becomes hard. It's the war Paul fights with the Galatians, or oh, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. How is it that you started with Jesus Christ and faith toward him and now you have diverted into works to fulfill or justify yourself before him? It's the war that now we are fighting in the body of Christ with the devil. This is the unseen war that not many priests, fathers, pastors, prophets understand that the big war now is not just that people are not receiving the word, but that men... After the new birth with the complete and perfect precise knowledge of God, albeit babes, like a human being, is 100% a human being, although they're a baby. You understand? But what you feed this child defines so much. Because the nine months in the womb had a perfection when the feeding was led and instructed, orchestrated by God. He says, I formed you in your mother's womb. You were right there in the womb. Eh? And then this person comes into the world. And then they are fed all manner of food. Every kind of drink. I've seen children who are six years and they are obese. Big. Because some parents think they can only love those children by feeding them. It's the expression of love. And they can't control these little beings. And when these children grow up, they hate those parents. Because why did you do this to me? You see? So they are fed anything. One time I went in a school to see uh, somebody, and I found a child who could not walk because he was obese. And this boy was, what, eight, seven years? But he could not walk because he was obese. He could not walk because he was obese. And he was eating burgers and stuff, you know, because they fed that child that way. So translate that to the spiritual. Believers are born again right, and then they're given junk. And after four or five years of salvation, they can't breathe. They can't walk, they can't sit, they can't run, they can't pray, they can't turn because they've been given junk in the church. How to know and what to know. Then they go for deliverance, cast out the devil. They are heavy laden. Oh, pastor, say something. Oh, there's a prophet they've told me he's in massacre. Let me go. Oh, there's an apostle they've told me. Ay, 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 He's somewhere in Lugogo. Then there's another one they've told me. Ay, 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 ay. He's somewhere. 
There's another preacher they've told me he's in Entebbe. Oh, let me go. You know, so they're there. But something in them is dying every day. And no amount of prayer can deliver them because that kind of bondage is not in the realm of prayer. And eventually some, because of that obesity, spiritual, they die. Ali, Hosea 4.6, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Because you, he says, the priestly nation have rejected knowledge. The Amplified says, because ye, which are the preachers, have rejected knowledge. Because they die because of us. Read it in the Amplified. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because ye, the priestly nation, have rejected knowledge. So, it begins with us, the priest, to reject to connect to gnosis or epignosis. And we, some of us don't reject it intentionally. We reject it ignorantly because we cannot cipher, we cannot discern what is true and what is not true. So, how do we fight that war? We don't fight that war by praying only, although prayer is important. When Paul is in that day struggling with the same spirit, he says, pray for us that the gospel might have free course because that kind of message will be frustrated. Why? It is liberating. It is cleansing. It is detoxifying this dying individual. It's detoxifying. So, before we even point out, oh, that's a false teacher. Oh, that's a false preacher. Who taught them? Maybe they're just trying to be true to what was given them. And they know no better. They're not ignorant because they're deliberate. They're rejecting truth because they have been laid by the wrong foundation. And some believers, by the way, have to just undo themselves totally and have an overhaul and unlearn everything before they learn the right thing. But many of them are so proud, I don't think they can do that. But you see, things in the spirit are weighing us. And as much as whether we acknowledge it or not, the world is seeing those holes through us. Our tunnels are not adding with lights. They are dark. And now the gospel is in some places is coughed at and it is taken lightly. Men of God are looked at as uh, actors of a play. Men following a script that is written by man and ideas of men. Yeah, one fool said that you know, salvation is opium for the poor. And I call him fool because he said no to God. That's what the Bible says. For a fool says no to God or says no in their heart toward God, you know. But maybe it's because when he looked at them which were saved, they were not illuminating a higher light and place and realm of knowledge. I think he concluded that way. He concluded that way. God help us. I want to pray with you. And I don't know what kind of prayer you make after such a someone. You know, there's someones that I preach and I do not know how the person listening will pray because there's somebody who has been connected to epignosis and their challenge was reconciling gnosco and gnosis to what they have. There's one who is connected to epignosis and gnosco and they were trying to connect to gnosis. There's one who was connected to epignosis and gnosis but they want to connect to gnosco. There's one who didn't even know any of the three. So, 
wherever you are, don't judge yourself. Thank God that today you begin something new. And every time you open the word, it will be open to you. You will not search it in oblivion and confusion. The word of God will become alive. It's not four-dimensional. It's multi-dimensional. It's not 3D. It's multi-dimensional. And I invite you to that realm. You'll be amazed that you'll speak and do things, whether you're pastor, preacher, engineer, doctor, pilot, consultant, business person. You'll do things that the men of this world will say, but there's something about this man, there's something about this woman that is deeper than what we have seen or have been taught in Jesus' mighty name. So raise your voice in your car, in your house, wherever you are, wherever you're seated and studying this word, and pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Something is happening in the spirit realm. A great impartation is taking place. A great story is being written. A certain narrative is being defined. Kore bozele bo sharamando ro boza la bakose ketelepa retolo boko prozoro bo sharalalala bakoramanda salabakatale prozolo poko siketelemanda zoreketile ko shalabayara bazolo boko salapaya renda ya bazola bakatala I pray for you in the mighty name of Jesus that may epignosis be revealed may gnosis be revealed May no score be revealed. May all the knowledge of God in its foundedness and beauty be your portion tonight in the name of Jesus and that you connect and reconcile every conflict within and change the world in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing. Now, in the name of Jesus, if you're bound, be free right now in the name of Jesus. If you have a family issue, it's resolved. God is reconciling families right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. High blood pressure is healing. Diabetes is healing in the name of Jesus. Heart disease is healing. Kidneys are healing in the name of Jesus. Back issues are healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Your throat issues, infections are healing right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for the minister that is watching me in the name of Jesus that may God elevate you. May God walk through you and for you more than ever before in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, O oh God, because we are changing. We are transforming every day. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed and believed. Amen. I cannot close this broadcast without giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. For those of you that are watching me right now, if you say tonight, I have had that message, I want that God. You don't need to be forced. You don't need to be manipulated. The words you have heard have already invited you. And I'm certain you're convinced about this already. You just wanted this opportunity to receive Jesus. This is the moment. This is the day. This is the time. This was the summer. And I just want you to open your heart as you are. And say, God, I'm here. I cannot change myself, but you can change me. Repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory and tonight
I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.